Merry Christmas. Christmas is a season full of secrets, isn't it? And we love a good secret, but Christmas morning comes and all the secrets are over, aren't they? See, that's the sad part about secrets. As soon as you're let in on them, the mystery, the excitement, the appeal of the secret is lost. And so as long as the paper is over all those things under the tree, they could be anything. They could be anything. Of course, you shake them and you figure out which ones are Legos. That's what you do first and foremost, right? But you see my point here. As long as the secret is unknown to you, it's exciting. It's appealing. And then as soon as you know the secret, oh, it's a box of crayons. Thanks, Grandma. Oh, yeah, I guess I did need another pair of socks. Oh, yeah, good, good, another set of underwear, just, you know, what Dad needed. Actually, that's what Dad wants, okay, all the time. But you see what happens. As soon as you're let in on the secret, it loses its allure. Now, it's kind of exciting if you are the one who knows the secret and no one else does. So if you got to go shopping with Mom and Dad and you know what your brother is getting or you know what your sister is getting and they don't, that's fun, right? That's fun to know a secret that no one else knows. But then Christmas morning comes, the secrets are all opened up, and all the excitement is over. Christmas can be kind of a letdown that way, can't it? You build it up, you build it up, you build it up, and then the secrets are all exposed, and it's all over. And tomorrow we pack up the trees and pull down the lights, and the cookies are quickly devoured, and it's all forgotten. But Christmas is more than just a time for secrets. Christmas is a time for mystery. And here's the great thing about a mystery. The more you know about a mystery the more it grows. The more that is shown to you about a mystery, the more its allurement shines. And so when you come to know a mystery, instead of everything fading away and being diminished, oh, the word was made flesh. No, the mystery grows. That's the wonderful thing about mystery over and above secrets. Christmas is a time for secrets, and there are some secrets that I don't dare mention from the pulpit about fat men in red robes, but what I do proclaim to you this morning is far greater than any mystery that is told to little children, or any secret that is told to little children. What I proclaim to you this day is nothing short than the greatest mystery of all, that God has joined himself to our flesh and blood, that the Son of God has assumed to himself a human nature just like yours, that God has united to himself in a mystery beyond all telling and beyond all understanding God the eternal God, God the Word who was with his Father in the beginning, the only one who has ever really seen the Father, he, he has joined himself to us so that we would know the mystery of God. Christmas is not just a time for secrets. It is a time for that to be sure, but Christmas is a time for mystery. It is a time for paradox. And so our hymns abound with all of these paradoxes. And if you read any Christmas poems, if they're worth anything, they will reflect on the paradox of this thing, that God is a baby, that God became man not in some big and fancy and showy way, but that he was born in an out-of-the-way place in Bethlehem, that God was born in a stable, that no one made room for him, right? 
There's this great author named G.K. Chesterton. He's called the Prince of Paradox. And he has this wonderful way of weaving together these profound paradoxes, things that should not be together. And he has this great Christmas poem that he, where he says that when God became homeless, man was given a home. God became homeless so that man could have a true home. That's the mystery of Christmas, that the eternal master has come in the form of a servant, that the word, the eternal word, was made flesh. And see, what's so wonderful about mysteries is that they can be enjoyed for the entirety of your life. Secrets come and go, and when you're let in on a secret, its power is lost. But when you know a mystery... When you know a mystery, it doesn't fade away. It opens up, it opens up in wonder. It opens up in astonishment. It opens up in praise. It opens up in glory. And today, what we celebrate in this place is the mystery that will never fade away. That God has loved you just in this way, that he has become one of us. That God has loved us to the very extent that he was not willing just to send a messenger. That he was not willing to send a prophet, but that he came in our flesh. He appeared as one of us, and not just for a little while either. See, that was the glory of the Old Testament. The place that we heard about today, the tabernacle, was the place of temporary glory. But the glory that has come in Jesus Christ has made that tabernacle, which had the glory of the Lord over it by day and the fire of the Lord over it by night, the glory of Jesus Christ makes that tabernacle seem, well, like a tent. And none of us want to live in a tent, do we? It might be fun to go out in a tent for a little while, but tents are temporary. Christ Jesus has come so that the glory of God may reside with us permanently. For he has taken our human nature to himself, not just for a little while, you know, the kind of thing, okay, here's a job that I have to do for five days a week for 40 years of my life. No, Christ Jesus, the Son of God, has taken our human nature to himself permanently and forever. The Word became flesh and didn't just dwell among us for a little while, but the Word still dwells among us in the flesh. And that glory that he has shown us is nothing short than the love of the Heavenly Father. All of Jesus' works, all of Jesus' words, all of Jesus' ways, all that Jesus said and did had this purpose, that you would know, that you would know the loving kindness of the Heavenly Father, that you would know the loving kindness and the grace of your Heavenly Father. So the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And this is a mystery that surpasses all other mysteries. But see, see, that's our problem, isn't it? We are a people who run away from mysteries. We explain mysteries away. We live post-enlightenment. We live in a scientific age. We trust the science. We have to have everything shown to us and proven to us. And only that which I can touch, only that which I can see, only that which you can show me is real, right? Don't fall for such lies, dear friends. There is more in this world than your eyes can behold. There is more in this world than your mind can, can, can contain. Do not fall for the famine that so many fall for in this world, which is to reduce everything to just the material, to reduce everything to only what can be touched, to only what can be seen, to only what can be proved. No, there are mysteries beyond our comprehension. But many live in a famine of mystery. Many live in a famine of mystery. They explain everything away. 
They even can explain away Jesus and the story of his nativity. Oh, that was just an invention of the disciples, don't you know? That was just dreamed up by some men and some women who were caught up in their religious fervor. You don't have to believe that all. It's just a myth. It's just a tale. It's just the kind of thing that you tell little children. And so explaining away the mystery, they become impoverished. For a life without mystery, a life without God, is really no life at all, is it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and man was made. Man was made to enjoy the Word, to enjoy the Heavenly Father. And what has happened in the fall is that man substituted something else for God. Man has forgotten his maker. Man has forgotten his creator. Man has forgotten his word. And the horror of it all is that we think, we think that that is progress, that life is better without God, that a godless kind of existence is the one that we should all pursue. That's what makes sense, after all. That's what can be explained. That's what can be proven. And so people go with an impoverished life with no mystery, with no wonder, with no joy, with no love, with no praise, with no faith, with no hope. Have you seen how miserable people are in our world? Have you seen how sad and how angry people are? Why is it? It is because they have explained away the very mystery that you were created to know. They have explained away and forgotten God. And so what does God do for us today? What does God do for us every Christmas? He lays out a feast for people who live in a famine. He lays out a feast for us who are so famished for mystery. He lays out the feast of the word made flesh. And that word was made flesh so that his flesh could be made bread. That word was made flesh so his flesh could be made drink. That word was made flesh so that word's flesh could be poured out on the cross. The word was made flesh so that his flesh could be bread and drink offered for you, offered in your place on the cross of Calvary as the sacrifice for sins and now offered to you in the holy sacrament. Still, the word is made flesh and that flesh is made bread and that flesh is made drink so that you may come into the mystery of the love of Jesus Christ who shows you the love of your heavenly father. Does that fade away over time? Is that the kind of thing that once you know about it and once you taste it, you quickly forget about it and shove it in a drawer and say, well, hopefully next year God will give me better things. Hopefully next year for Christmas he'll consult the list that I made. Hopefully next year he'll look at what I really want and he'll give me the things that I really want. How could you want something greater than God himself? Dear friends, God has provided for you a mystery beyond all telling. The word made flesh in Bethlehem and that flesh given for you on the cross at Calvary and now that body and blood given to you in the altar of this place. What a great mystery our Heavenly Father gives to us. What a great mystery that you have been let in on. And when you know that mystery, it doesn't lose its power the more you hear about it, the more you experience it, the more you taste it, the more you talk about it. No, the power of that mystery grows. For it is the mystery of God's love. It is the mystery of his grace that our Heavenly Father would love poor sinners like you and me. That our Heavenly Father would love strange people like you and me. That our Heavenly Father would refuse to lose us 
but that he wants to bring us into his family, not as slaves, not as servants, but how did John put it? To those who believe in his name, he gives the right to be called children of God. The Son of God was born, the Son of Mary, so that you would be born again as a son or daughter of the Heavenly Father. This is no secret that loses its luster. This is no secret that once you unwrap it, you can quickly throw it away because, you know, it's junk and it breaks the next week. No, this is the mystery of our Heavenly Father who has created you precisely to know this mystery, to love this mystery, to rejoice in this mystery, to sing of this mystery, to trust in this mystery, to hope in this mystery. The world may live in famine times, but this is a feast today. So dig into the feast. Dig into the feast that your heavenly Father has prepared for you, that the Son of God has revealed to you, and now that the Holy Spirit of God rushes into this world to make known to you, to reveal to you, to give to you. Christmas is a time where secrets come and secrets go. Christmas is also a time where the mystery of the Word made flesh is made known, and that's a permanent kind of a mystery. It's the kind of mystery that grows and grows and grows and will continue unto life everlasting. So to Jesus Christ be all glory, to Jesus Christ be all laud, to Jesus Christ be all praise, to Jesus Christ be all that we can think and say and do this day and every day. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.